What's up, everybody? I'm Jason Weisenberg. And I'm Michael Weisenberg. Welcome to Weisland. Great first weekend of NCAA tournament action. I guess I want to say weekend plus weekday because they had that new Monday of the yeah. schedule. Yeah. It's not as much fun it as was, it was a little weird. Yeah, you know, having having the, like Oregon playing the 9 a.m. game on, on Monday. Wasn't ideal. Yeah, not, not a lot of fun, but overall, pretty pretty awesome tournament. Like any kind of initial thoughts, like other than it's kind of been crazy? Went off with a slight hitch in that Oregon was the only team that somehow had a COVID forfeit. And... Um, Got a lot of flack for it, honestly. For, for no reason. It's not like, yeah, it's not like they chose it. They were they were, I know they were at a pregame meal when Rob Mullins, the athletic director at Oregon, came to Dana Altman and told him, and Dana Altman thought when Rob Mullins asked him to come out of the room that Oregon was going to be the team that was going to have to, you know, because it's kind of that, like, the principal's coming, you know, checking in on you kind of, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it worked out in the long run because they were very well prepared and focused for Iowa, which was... Yeah. That was, to me, that was that was surprising because again, Luca Garza did offensively have his way, but yeah, I thought, you know, Iowa did a lot of things that Oregon does better than them generally. You know, in the regular season, I that's that was my whole reason for picking Iowa over Oregon. <laughs> yeah, and plus and, you add in like Luca Garza. Yeah, Garza had a fantastic game, offensively. Yeah, defensively not so much, and I did not take into account that Iowa's guards, their starting guards. Didn't score a field goal. They didn't take very many either, but they they didn't score a field goal. Uh, Keegan Murray had an off-shooting night. Joe Wieskamp had five assists, but he had 17 points on 17 shots. They got a little bit of help from Pat McCaffrey off the bench, but still not very much. And then Oregon starters just played fantastic basketball, um, led by Chris Duarte, Will Richardson, and Eugene Omarui. And then LJ Figueroa goes on a three-point shooting barrage yeah, as well. Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's crazy because the Pac-12 has been insanely actually strong. They've been the best. Yeah, like the big – Bill the, Walton was right, man. Bill Walton was right. Well, we're not going to get all the teams into the final four, but we're going to get a lot of them. Yeah. Okay. But, like, yeah, I mean, Oregon State still staying hot, surprisingly. And they only played teams that were also orange, which I thought was kind of, a, like, a little interesting and weird. And then yeah. – like, SC took it to Kansas. UCLA played their way in and is playing playing pretty pretty well at the moment. Colorado was hot in the opening against Georgetown, like a team that won his conference tournament that like otherwise probably wouldn't have been in the tournament. But Colorado was like insanely hot in that game. I know they they started off, I think they were like 11 to 17 from three in the first half. Like oh yeah, annihilated Georgetown. And annihilated. then um impressive showing. In the first game from freshman Jabari Walker, son of uh, sixth pick in 1996 NBA draft, Samaki Walker. And uh, yeah, he looks like he has a really bright future at Colorado. I'm I'm guessing he's coming back next season. He didn't play quite as well in in the next game. But yeah, let's uh, we'll go through like the tournament and uh, a few of our favorite matchups. And um, like anyone else who, who really stood out to you, like, Beyond the the Pac-12 and and of course I'm sure you watched the Oregon game. Um, honestly, Gonzaga just I mean, in that first game, like they were up so much, like they're just. You hope this is the year for them. They have they have like, the personnel. Well, honestly, I, I hope it's the year for Oregon always. But I I did choose Gonzaga, and it would be great if they won. And they are still the team that I think will win. Um, but yes, I, so I have to be quite honest with you. I tried to watch as little of the one sixteen action as possible. I find those games are usually, oh, they're, they're, even, even if they're um, points, it's only like with, you know, five minutes into the first half, it's yeah. like that, that game's like, Oh, they're kind of giving it to him. It's like, yeah, but, oh, it always happens that way. Like it, the only time where it actually like really worked out was the Virginia UMBC game, but it usually happens where. The 116 is like sort of close for a while. And it's like, oh, are they going to upset them? And then all of a sudden they like are up by 30. But there was a 15-2 this year. So There was, there was. And it has been. And by the way, Jason, you were like ready to zip right by that 15-2 matchup. Basically based on the fact 
that they, they are a university that was founded by somebody who started televangelism. And yes, you and I do both kind of are completely against that on principle. But I am very, very glad that I mentioned Max A. Smith and Kevin O'Banner as they have annihilated both of the teams that they played so far in Ohio State and uh, Florida. Yeah, okay. Like those two guys are just like, they can shoot. Um, a Smith was the leading scorer in the NCAA. O'Banner is like an almost 90% free throw shooter and like over 40% from three as well. Uh, yeah, like Oral Roberts has two absolute studs there. And um, close games, both. But yeah, they're going off to the, the Sweet 16. Still, still standing. But outside of, you know, the, the tournament play, obviously you've had some people putting their names into the NBA draft. Yeah, we, we can go over this quickly. Um, we have Isaiah Jackson, um, Terrence Clark, and BJ Boston, Brandon Boston Jr. all put their names into the NBA draft. Um, I, at least with uh, Isaiah Jackson, he says he's testing the waters. I think they're all gone. Word is that Isaiah Jackson, he's a little polarizing, but it seems like he, he's likely a first-round pick. Boston and Clark are definitely from the first episode where we talked about him. A lot has changed since then. Clark had a year that was just full of injury and uh, he didn't play up in for like a long period of time up until their last game of the season in the conference tournament and got very limited time there. Um, Boston just really struggled and um, just wasn't uh, overly efficient after coming in as one of the, um, a prospect who people saw just could dribble, uh, pass, shoot. He could still dribble, but the passing and shooting were definite question marks. The functional strength was a big question mark this year. And he was just not efficient this season uh, with Kentucky. He had, he had a few flashes here and there. And like all in all, is he an NBA player? Like, absolutely. He, he is somebody who will definitely get a shot in the league. Um, I just, uh, it seems like it's a long shot that he is a lottery pick at this point. And then you're not really sure exactly just how far his stock fell. Um, Isaiah Jackson, great athlete. But he, he seems to be a, a center. I like. I don't really see that that much upside as like a four. Um, really good shot blocker. Always has been good in transition and a fantastic athlete. Um, so yeah, we'll see uh, what happens with uh, these three Kentucky guys. But they are, I think, kind of the first of many who will put their their name into the draft. Uh, Marcus Carr also entered his name and is testing the waters, but still has entered yeah. the transfer portal as well and um, has a, a few schools that he's interested in. But yeah, we'll, we'll keep you up to date with who is entering and what's happening. But those are just a, a few names to look into as uh, the first entries into the NBA draft so far. And uh, sure, many more to come, especially with some of the teams being uh, eliminated from postseason play. Well, it'll be interesting to see how like the, the process works this year for, for the guys declaring, like, because there's probably not going to be a traditional combine. Workouts might be modified. You know, there might not be as many workouts. I think the combine is going to be similar to what happened last year, though. And there, there still was athleticism testing. There, there still were some things. It, it was virtual. But, yeah, they, they, won't, they probably won't have uh, televised, like, games at the combine and everything. I always kind of wonder how much those games are actually worth. And I know one year, like Kyle Kuzma did really well and sat out like the second game and he still ended up going like 28th in the draft. So yeah, I, I'm not sure how much the combine really boosts stock. That no, I was gonna say, but I was gonna say like individual workouts too, like going like traveling, going to teams like, yeah. what, like yeah. what that will look like. Well, yeah, it, it, I think it really will depend on vaccination and just kind of what's, generally happen in the country at that point. And but, I, I believe the draft is set for somewhere close to the end of July, I think. Like, as soon as the season's over, 
which will be close to the end of July. So yeah, th that seems to be the tentative spot for the draft at this point. And then of course, this year seniors need to declare for the draft as well. So the like early entry list and the entry list is going to be very, very crazy. Um, but yeah, just uh, a few little draft tidbits and it, look out for a, a Viseland mock draft update in the next little while, um, maybe next week. Yeah, we're getting, getting some good, good sample. With, with that being said, let's jump into what we are going to be doing. What we're talking about, we are going to be breaking down the, the Sweet 16, a little bit of what's been going on, and we're going to make picks. Yes. Jason's going to pick. I'm going to pick. My brother did something unbeknownst to me until too late. He did not make a bracket. Correct. He just like went along with whatever I was saying. Had no opinion of his own. I've gone through. I've gone through the bracket. I had a tough time this year actually wanting to to. A, I didn't really have a group to join. First of all, like there wasn't really. You don't need a group. ESPN group. But then second of all, it's. I could have gotten you a group. You don't need a group though. And then I get conflicted with the ducks because if I put the ducks in and I put them to lose, like like. Just choose some winning. Odds are, but then I, it's like, then I never end up winning because then that's what I do. I don't know. It's just well, what if this year's the year, Jace? What if this year's the year? I will be beyond excited and thrilled because it, it's been the year for me for them ever since they can started kind of making the tournament in the early 2000s. So yeah, doesn't mean I didn't watch enough of the tournament and, and have some vested interest. I just did not go and click the submit button, but I've gone through it and I definitely watched a good- That's called not making a bracket. I, I like not clicking the submit button is called not making it. You were one of the 93 people that had a completely failing bracket. Yeah, which again- After, that's, after the first day. <laughs> yeah, like you couldn't pick a 116, like there's not one game you got right. Yeah. Yeah, that's like special. Because uh, well, that requires you like choosing a 15-2 and also like going with the 116. But like sometimes choosing the 116, right? Like that, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, there were 93 people on ESPN yeah. with imperfect brackets. Not a single answer. But we got the Sweet 16. Uh, what game do you want to do you want to start it off with? What is there a specific region you're thinking? I guess we we can go from the west, um, whatever order you, you'd like. Is, yeah, is perfect. Cool. I am starting off in the Viseland region, the west. Yeah, we'll go with the. We'll start with the. We'll start with the west. So you do have Oregon going against SC. And oh, we're starting off with the. The lower seed one. Okay. Yeah, we gotta start. We gotta start it off with this because again, we've been talking, we've been talking up the ducks. Yeah. Pack 12. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about how both teams got here. <laughs> um, so USC beats Drake pretty handily and then annihilates Kansas. Yeah. And can Kansas actually, so Dave McCormick came back for Kansas. Um, not surprisingly, the Mobley's faster and did better than he did. Um, even Jalen Wilson got some playing time. I, I'm guessing he, he wasn't himself, but yeah, the whole talk of Kansas not having everybody um, seemed to be a, a little overblown. And uh, yeah, they um, generally had their full squad with them. Maybe not in the, the best of health, I guess. But um, yeah, USC just really, really took it to them. Like, and uh, the, guy, the guy who played well for them in both games was uh, actually Isaiah Mobley as well. And, um, but yeah, the, the defensive anchor, still Evan Mobley, um, in the game against Kansas had 10 points, three blocks, 13 rebounds, and five assists. Um, Isaiah Mobley in that game, 17 points, four assists, and eight rebounds. And uh, yeah, just a really good showing from that front court. Um, Jason, you and I know the history of USC versus Oregon. Uh, let's, yeah, let's just break down a little bit of Oregon against Iowa. 
So I, as we mentioned earlier, Oregon did not have a first game. Um, it was an unfortunate forfeit because I think they put it on the tickers. That was like one zero. So it did look like, you know, it was a soccer score. Yeah. It was a Chris Duarte free throw that somehow won the game. Um, Luca Garza, fantastic game against Oregon, but just a tremendous effort from our starting lineup. Um, I would like, like, I know this is definitely a overstatement, but, um, Oregon seemed to have more dunks in that game than they had had the whole season. Uh, Iowa defense seemed to part in the middle, like the red sea at times. And yeah, we, like we got dunks in the half court. We had a three on zero where Eugenio Marie had a throwdown. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, a, it, it was a safe game for a lot of guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Frank Kepman came in, got a couple nice blocks in the dunk. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Chris Duarte, of course, leading the way. Will Richardson had by far, I would say, his best game of the season. And uh, he actually played the entire game as well. Um, 19.7 assists, six rebounds. Chris Duarte with 23.7 assists. LJ Figueroa with 21. Eugenio Marui with 17 points and five assists. Um, yeah, it was a tremendous team effort by a program that starts – everybody over 21 years old. Um, so they have the experience going on there. I was definitely afraid of foul trouble because Eugene had seemed to be getting into it a lot. And um, luckily they, there was a little bit with uh, LJ Figueroa and Eugene Marie who were playing pretty much the big spot um, for Oregon at times. And it luckily was not crippling and they, they stayed in for a majority of the game. So yeah, just tremendous from Oregon. Um, and they were giant killers, really. really? Um, yeah, even with Luca Garza scoring 36 points on tremendous efficiency. We know that when they did play USC, it wasn't great. No, it was it was this. And by the way, just to, to, to reference between what the USC game was, they lost 72-58. Guess Iowa, they put up 95 to 80, second highest scoring output of the tournament. Only Gonzaga in the first round, as a one against the 16, they put up 98. So the Ducks were really, really pushing a, a pretty strong tempo and, and keep keeping that up, which is yeah. something that's but great. USC also put up 85 against Kansas. Oh, totally. Oh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that that's a. They're, they're pushing it too. Yeah, I'm happy. Like, as far as the Duck fan, like, I'm kind of happy it's USC because at least there is some familiarity and some scouting that's already kind of been been done you're not starting from kind of the base of like what is this team what are they about but Evan Mobley is terrifying <laughs> yes yeah he's a he's a huge of the court huge matchup issue for Oregon Taj Edey had a tremendous shooting performance against Oregon last time um yeah they, they have some players Drew Peterson as well um who are you choosing in this one, Jace? Of course, we're choosing the Ducks. I, as as stated, Evan Mobley is terrifying. I can't pick the Ducks. I just, I'm hoping we get a little bit of what we got against Iowa again. That would be the ultimate hope. But I, I think either way, I think like the Ducks had been playing defensively like pretty pretty well. Like Chris Duarte has had some strong games. When LJ can shoot like that. That's awesome because sometimes, you know, he's he doesn't shoot as much as he did in the Iowa game, but he was like shooting and making, which was doubly awesome. Mm-hmm. And then, sorry, someone's phone went off. And then Eugene in the in the post is like, I love his spin. I love that post spin. Again, Moby is terrifying because he does it, but he's like, you wish he could do it and he was like seven feet two. Yeah. Um, I'm going with Oregon also. I can't go against the Ducks. I did that and I obviously screwed up big time. I I have to go with Oregon against USC. Um, and I just feel like they they finally, like, I I don't think it was the same Will Richardson last time. And he he had just come back from working his way back and with, with the injury. It was it was affecting his shooting. Yeah. 
Oh, for sure. Both and in confidence he, and in and ability to make. Yeah, he he's uh, he's definitely become a lot more like he was last year when he was shooting lights out. I think he's at least like 39, 40% now as well from three. Um, so yeah, huge confidence there. And then um, just great athleticism and uh, the, the defense I, I, I thought was really impressive from Oregon also. Um, I just thought they were playing a lot better on uh, the, the Iowa's guards and um, yeah, even like team defense on, on Luca Garza. And, and Dana Allman does a great job of like just like dynamic defenses. Like they really do change a lot of sets in in the game based on their opponent. So it's not like you can you can say like oh we know they're going to come and they're going to press like this. It's like so he does a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff. So hopefully some of that that magic comes comes back and they get that W. But then moving on to the other end of the bracket, there you have Gonzaga Creighton mm-hmm. again. I know they're they're five seed. But you know, getting there, they they beat UCSB by a point, so very close. And a lot of that one was ridiculously close. A lot of people had the gauchos, uh, yeah. you know, doing, doing that 12 5. And then, oh, we did, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I thought they were gonna do it, and hey, they were really, really close, but close on count. Yeah, I'm gonna do so miss, and uh, yeah, he had a really good look. And then, and then they beat they beat Ohio, who beat UVA, they were 13, but they played Illinois to the to the yeah. wire, you know, and a lot of people had. Had Ohio as kind of a you know buzzy team, and then obviously Gonzaga we mentioned ninety eight points in the first round, and then they beat Gon- they beat uh, Oklahoma by by sixteen. So Gonzaga is coming in pretty yeah. pretty strong. Definitely. What are your thoughts on like who are you going with on this one? Because it's I mean, we picked Gonzaga earlier. Yeah. Any any trepidations? I I I can't really have any. Um, one thing I will say about Creighton is they also have like a really s- strong starting five and, um, yeah, just like a lot of upperclassmen there, great athlete and Christian Bishop, but, like nobody on their starting five is too tall either. Um, a lot of shooting there also Marcus Zagorowski and, uh, Mitch Balick and then, um, yeah, D- Damian Jefferson and Denzel Mahoney rounding it out. Um, they even have like a, a freshman like Ryan Kalkbrenner off the bench and he's kind of like their shot blocking presence. So yeah, they, like there's some definite depth there, but yeah, it's, I can't go against Gonzaga. Like what Drew Timmy did to Oklahoma was just a masterclass and like how difficult he is to stop in the post. They still had one of the most efficient players in um, Corey Kispert. Jalen Suggs and Joel Ayayi are playing fantastic basketball as well. Um, yeah, they Gonzaga has like the six deep that's just fantastic. Yeah, they have multiple guys that they can they can have those 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 games. Yeah, which is just super super helpful at this at this time of year. But yeah, I'm also gonna roll roll with roll with the Zags. And then as far as Moving on to the next game there, when we're talking about this regional final, you got a Northwest matchup we're, we're, we're having here, Oregon-Gonzaga. I'm going Gonzaga. Uh, last time we played Gonzaga, did not work out very well for us. And it's it's one of those things where we're people- close. What are you talking about? But we didn't win. Sure enough, but it was close. But yeah, Gonzaga's a lot of, favor. A lot of, a lot of people always say, always say about the Ducks, like, oh, why don't they beat Gonzaga? Like, why don't they book Gonzaga more? And you're like because oh, they're really good <laughs> and you know like that's not how non-conference college basketball usually hey, it, was, it was close man i i'm i'm fine with playing gonzaga every year it makes us look better even if we lose <laughs> yeah i mean it's a, it's a good game but i mean obviously the way a lot of that stuff kind of works is is very much like hey we want to win um i would also have to say i i will think gonzaga would win in the, in this hypothetical because again i think playing those games on you know one day's rest Ducks aren't super deep. Gonzaga is probably just gonna do what they do, and I don't. Um, I, I don't. I don't want this. Like, think Gonzaga. You gotta choose. Oh, I'm picking Gonzaga. Okay. To win this region. Okay. I'm not happy about this pick, but it's a pick. I'm not happy about it either. That I'm making. But I'm. 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 You know what? I'm confident in making it. As a like. As a gambler, I would go with Gonzaga. And so you'll have Gonzaga coming out of the Western region, getting to the, getting to the final four yet again. Mm-hmm. 
And then moving on, let me see what region we want to go with next. Want to do the east? Let's go for it. All right. Ready. What's up? Sorry, just east first four. Okay, sorry, just make sure it was right. So yeah, this is an interesting one as well because you have UCLA, who won there again. I was I wasn't thinking UCLA was going to win there. They're playing. They go they go against BYU. Who? Yeah, they know, beat Michigan State. Then they BYU. And BYU was was close. I mean, close, quote unquote, close with Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference Finals till about five minutes left. But you know, BYU usually very experienced teams, and then they get that luck of kind of like I guess luck of the draw situation where Abilene Christian takes out Texas. So your second round matchup is against a team that you are prepared to outmatch. But I think like Wachez has been playing playing pretty well. Jaime Hawkes, yeah. And then also Juzang, like he had a pretty good score. Johnny Juzang has been like the lights out shooter that I think most people would predicted when he went to Kentucky. And yeah, he, he's been shooting really, really well. Um, just some offensive flurries coming from him. Juzang and Hawkes are leading the, the charge for them. Jules Bernard has had some nice moments as well. Um, so yeah, three really good wings there. Uh, Tiger Campbell, of course, is always known for basically taking care of the ball, being that game manager. And even uh, the big fella, Cody Riley, um, he, he's been putting in some work. And th they're missing like a couple of players who I, I think most would have thought would be kind of crucial to a, a postseason run with Chris Smith going down with an injury. And then Jalen Hill has been out. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – it, a lot of guys stepping up there for, for UCLA. They've recruited really well in the LA area for a long time. Uh, even a player that we um, saw it, as a freshman at Bishop Montgomery, David Singleton, um, playing some minutes off the bench for them. Jalen Clark gaining the game a little bit. Jake Kyman making some threes. So, yeah, it's a, a real group effort for UCLA right now. No, it's good that they're back in the in the tournament for, for them because, yeah, they haven't had a good run in a few years. But on the other end, they are going to go up against Alabama, beat Rick Pitino and Iona, and then they beat Maryland by, like, 19 points. So Alabama yeah. also, also coming off a strong, you know, SEC tournament. Alabama's looking looking pretty pretty strong. Yeah, the Alabama's look strong for most of the year. Um, they lost to Stanford in the Maui Invitational, but since then it's been a lot of winning. And their shooting at times has been a huge issue for many a team that they played. They have senior leadership, like Herb Jones was the SEC player of the year, uh, fantastic defender, still not a high volume shooter, but still at least has gone from like complete non-shooter to somewhat of a factor there has been one of their better distributors as well. They have John Petty, who has always been like a, a rotation guy for Alabama through the years. Javon Quinterly was the SEC tournament, most outstanding player transfer from Villanova and uh, a fantastic handle has done really well there. Uh, Josh Primo coming back from injury and, and doing well also. And Jane Shackelford is another player who uh, puts in a lot of buckets for Alabama. So yeah, they're, they're just a high firepower team. And with that being said, yeah, I'm going with Alabama. I think UCLA's played very well. They played a little bit above expectation, but I think Alabama is a super, super strong team. Yeah. I'm, I think, well, I, I'm going, oh, what? I was going to say, if, if the thing about Alabama is if they can make Charles Barkley go for them, go against Auburn, she's Alabama, that's saying something about, you know, that it is a really good team. So, well, since Charles Barkley, I'm sorry to say, doesn't know shit about college basketball. No, 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 totally. um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. Like, it's, it's fine that he, 
Yeah, like it would be like us choosing some other school. But um, yeah, uh, I will say that I'm going with Alabama as well. I just think they're a much higher caliber team than UCLA has faced thus far. And um, yeah, man, like just seem to be, uh, I don't know. I, I thought they would be like possibly even in the running for a one seed. So yeah. It's, yeah, I thought um, after like SEC tournament, like I thought that that could be. They, they, were, they were really tough to draw. And who they would go up against on the other end, we got Michigan as the one seed, Florida State as the four. Michigan, yeah. obviously Texas Southern, not a problem. LSU, they beat by eight points, but LSU had had a, had a strong SEC tournament as well. Yes, and then we got Florida State, who took it to UNCG, and then Colorado. They beat Colorado handily by eighteen, and Colorado put up ninety six the game before. Pretty against easy. the eighth place team in the Big East. Big East, but but we're shooting how they they normally don't. And McKinley right in his like fortieth year of college, you know you're, you know you had, you had a little bit of confidence in in Colorado as as a you know strong team, especially they were the highest seeded team of the Pac-12. Which I know the schedules were weird, like not everyone played the same amount of games, but they were right. You know they got a higher seed than than both Oregon and USC, who were the top two regular season teams. So kind of interesting there, but yeah, what, I know you're a Scotty Barnes guy, mm-hmm. but are you, are you taking, are you taking the Seminoles? So yeah, Michigan still without Isaiah Livers, who was a crucial player for them this year. Um, but yeah, still a great team. Hunter Dickinson, second team, all American. Um, Franz Wagner is looking like he's a legit, like, He's most likely going to be somewhere in the lottery mid first round. Um, should have been uh, all Big Ten defensive selection. Uh, great passer, has really improved as a shooter. Um, I am going to take the Seminoles. Yeah, I'm going to go with Florida State. I, I just feel like they, they've got the size to match up with a guy like Dickinson. They've been shooting pretty well. And um, their, their defense has been really, really good. Um, Scotty, in his two NCAA games so far, I think has only taken like five field goals, but still has that tremendous like court vision, passing, defense, and communication that has uh, made him a, a real draft darling as well. So yeah, I'm sticking with the team that I had going to the Elite Eight originally. How about you? I am going to go opposite that. I'm going Michigan. I definitely think they're a very deep team. Jawan Howard, great coach. I really liked what he's, he's done there. And so I think, I think they can, they can do it. They definitely can, but I'm going to be rooting against you the whole way. I know you, I know you will, but moving on, we got the, we got the final here. We got Michigan, we got Alabama. Or Florida State, Alabama, in my case. Or Florida State, Alabama, in whatever hypothetical situation. Either either way, all said and done, at the end of the day, who is coming away out of this region? I am taking Alabama. I think Alabama is going to do it. I think I, I can't believe I doubted them against Texas originally, um, but yeah, I, I think they they really have the the personnel to do it, and uh, the shooting that I, I think will put them a step ahead of the others in this region. I will also say, I think again, Alabama is really clicking very well right now. No Isaiah Livers from Michigan, but also I just think they're just, they're both great teams, but yeah, I think Alabama is definitely just got the personnel, got the people to, to get it done and are poised for a pretty good, pretty good run this year. But moving on, we got our next region. We got the South. South, we got two interesting, interesting matchups going on here. Mm-hmm. You got number 15, Oral Roberts, coming at you. How did they get here? They beat Ohio State by three, which is like one of those for Ohio State. Yeah, it's, it's a head scratcher. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one, tough one to handle. I, I didn't love Ohio State, and I, I had them losing that next round. Um. But yeah, that that was uh, that was a tough one. Yeah, like so like, many opportunities for Ohio State, mind you, like so many. Oh yeah, close. You know, 
close game throughout. And then the next round, you know, they get they get Florida again without Keontae Johnson, you know, someone who unfortunately, you know, was sidelined for this for yeah. this season very early. But again, still a team with some, you know, some some guys, some, you know, some NBA firepower. Firepower there. Yeah. You're hoping, and again, they squeak out a three-point victory. So here they are coming against Arkansas, took it to Colgate, and then had a close one against Texas Tech. But who are we going with? Who are you going to go with in this matchup here? Because I originally had Arkansas going to the Elite Eight, and I still will have them going there. Me too. I think, again, like Moses Moody, they're hopefully going to remember that they are that team and that Oral Roberts. Yeah. The guy who has been playing really well for Arkansas through the first couple games is Justin Smith. He's just been like fantastic at the four for them. Really athletic. Um, I had played for Indiana before, but yeah, they uh, had a, a couple nice transfers come in. Devontae Davis, also another really good freshman for them also. Um, so yeah, they uh, looking pretty good so and far. They've, and they've, they've held pretty steady in the rankings throughout, throughout the year too. And again, it's a team that knows, you know, Practices pretty good, good ball security. Or Roberts is super fast paced, which obviously has helped them to this point. But you know, it's it's harder to to do that if Arkansas could really force them into kind of a half court yeah. game. Well, we'll see because yeah, like Florida doesn't necessarily have the the length of uh, an Arkansas. So yeah, we'll we'll see what's up. But back to back SEC matchups for them. So yeah. Going, going with the, the Razorbacks there onto the Elite Eight. Other part of the bracket there, we got Baylor Villanova. So Baylor getting their first ever number one seed in school history. Takes it to Hartford in that 116. 13-point win over Wisconsin. And then you got Villanova comes in and takes it to Winthrop. And then they get the North Texas. The 13 seed beats Purdue, so they get this matchup with North Texas. Not a problem. They won by 23 points. So yep. what are your feelings going into this one? Cause I know Nova has had a bit of a bit of a break in the season. They've kind of missed some time, but it looks like they're playing, you know, pretty, pretty well right now. They are They're They're still missing Colin Gillespie. And um, yeah, like I, I had a feeling they would get by Winthrop. I know that was kind of a, a popular upset and Winthrop did have a really great kind of senior leader in uh, Chandler Vaudrin. He is this really intriguing six foot seven, amazing skip passing guy, averaging 12, seven and seven throughout the year. But yeah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl has really stepped up. Um, they have a still like a, a, another bit of senior leadership in uh, Jermaine Samuels. And uh, yeah, they Justin Moore did play for them. Um, they, they still, uh, they're a really solid team, but I, I'm taking uh, Baylor in this one. And I just think the, the guard depth has really come to play. Um, Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, um, and Macy Oteague kind of leading the way there. Uh, and then helping the front court from guys like Mark Vidal and Matthew Mayer. Um, so yeah, they've... Uh, Looked really good so far, and I just have a feeling they'll get it done against a Villanova team that is missing, like, the, their real senior leader and in, in engine in uh, Colin Gillespie. Yeah, where I think Baylor has that in their experience, guys, going right now. So I agree. I think Baylor also, I have them coming, coming out here because, again, guard, guard rotation, tough defense, Jared Butler – you know, he's, he's, you know, definitely a, a spark plug for them to keep them going. So I would have them going against Arkansas here in this elite eight, who is coming out of the region. I'm sticking with Baylor. Um, yeah, just they're, they're the only original elite eight that I have. And yeah, I'm just going to stick with uh, my choices there. Yeah, I would agree. I think Baylor's going to come out of the region because again, depth experience. So I think that's, that's going to carry them there. And then we come into our last region where we have some possibly pretty funky matchups that could occur and could go down. If, you know, if dominoes fall a certain way, 
we have Houston against Syracuse. So Houston, a two seed. Syracuse at 11. So Syracuse, again, it's one of those things with Jim Beheim. It's like all those years you're like, oh, should Syracuse be in there? Oh, they're not that great. And they always like go, they always go, that's the year they go to the Sweet 16 at least, like at minimum. Like yeah. anytime they're on the fringe. The zone just staggers whatever teams they play. And, and they always get like these tremendous matchups for whatever reason too. And it's crazy because it's not like you don't see it coming. Like it's not like you're not planning yeah. for this defense. But, you know, Buddy, Buddy Beheim, coach's son and been shooting the rock pretty pretty well there but yeah they kind of Syracuse pretty substantial win over a team that I'm pretty sure we picked and generally like I love San Diego State so that was pretty pretty shocking and then they squeak out the three-point victory over West Virginia mm-hmm. Houston obviously 215 matchup nothing there but then they get a three-point win over Rutgers yeah. who had the exact yeah, same in both games but Close, close game and like for Rutgers making their first tournament in a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, Buddy Beheim over his last four games has been averaging 28 points per game. You and I got to see him with City Rocks back in the day in EYBL playing with Nas Carter. And the guy could shoot the hell out of the basketball. Like that was absolutely evident. He, he was a player. And um, yeah, he's, he's been a player since coming to Syracuse and uh, this year their leading scorer as well. So yeah, he um, definitely is a guy. And Houston still like, they have a, a, somebody in, in Quentin Grimes who has been uh, one of the better players in college basketball this year, at least in, the uh, All-American conversation, the other second team, third team. Um, they have a couple other good guards, Marcus Sasser, Dejon Giroux. Um, I, I really like Tremont Mark, their, uh, or Tremont Mark, their um, freshman point guard. And I, I have a feeling that it's going to be Houston coming out here. They had a very close call to Rutgers there. They're, you know, slower tempo team. Obviously they're, obviously they're favorite, but you know what? I'm going to go all in and just believe in some, some March madness. I will go with, I will go with the Qs. Yeah. You're a terrible person. <laughs> I know it's, <laughs> I'm aware, but I curse you. Jesus. There's something about it. Like the, the whole thing when you, when you see him in March, it's 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 nice. I I like Houston, but again, yeah, I think the slower tempo team. I kind of kind of want to see some chaos, I guess, ensue. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then at the at the other side of the bracket, there we have Oregon State in Loyola of Illinois. Crazy, crazy. Again, so this is where this bracket and this region could start getting getting pretty out of hand there, but. Oregon State won the Pac-12 tournament, so that's how they got in, you know, because they weren't a team that was, that was on the, that radar, not even on the bubble. Busts their way in, takes it to Tennessee, who, again, was, who's been a pretty strong team. They were strong, but as I had said, they had issues with their offense as well. I think I believed in that, the talent a little bit too much rather than the actual execution. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which, was, which which happens in, in college basketball sometimes. And then second round, they get Cade Cunningham, they get Oklahoma State, and, you know, 10-point yeah. victory there. They played some really good defense. And, um, yeah, first off, Oklahoma State, like, just had uh, – seemed to have substantial issues scoring the basketball times. Um, Kate, I, I felt like Cade Cunningham still had a pretty good game, but so did Ethan Thompson. Yeah, he got Ethan Thompson lived at the free throw line. Um, I want to highlight somebody who was like a four star recruit and was kind of almost an afterthought for them. But uh, Maurice Kalu, who had a a number of stops in his college journey, uh, went to Huntington Prep, went to Oak Hill. He uh, is from Ontario and uh, they they described it as uh, hilariously Windsor, Toronto which I don't know how that works. Or far drive. <laughs> okay, yeah. 
uh, yeah, exactly. Like, we're, I guess we're from like uh, Portland, Medford. Um, so yeah, uh, but he has been kind of like a real spark plug for them. And he scored three of their um, six three-pointers in the Oklahoma State game, had 15 points all in the first half, I believe. And the other thing I'll, I'll point out about Oregon State is yes, small sample size, obviously, but on the season, they were shooting about 33 or so percent from three. Um, I, actually, I think it, it's up to 35.6 now. Over the last five games, they're 42 percent. They're just flamethrowing. And Jared Lucas, obviously, has been a huge part there, too. He's always somebody that you have to worry about. And then, like, even their bigs, like uh, Roman Silva, De'Aaron Tucker, they had a combined eight blocks against Oklahoma State. And uh, yeah, like they've been kind of beasting people, which is not something that you really expected. They've been unrecognizable from where. Yeah, but one eight out of the last nine games, their only loss was to Oregon during that time. And then they beat Oregon in the conference tournament. Uh, So yeah, they really just flipped a switch and I just can't believe how lights out they've been from long range. And they even did their little Hoosiers thing, you know, where they, Measuring, measuring the basket, putting that all over the internets. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> yeah. And so the, their opponent is going to be Loyola, Illinois. Yes. A few years ago had a, had a pretty great run. They beat Georgia Tech in their 8-9. But then they play the team in their own state. The, not necessarily. I mean, I think Gonzaga might be the favorite, but Illinois is pretty pretty close up there. Like a lot of people definitely have them. And they beat them pretty, pretty, pretty handily. I did. I think the one comment of criticism someone was saying is like with Illinois, it's like you're the number one seed losing to like a smaller school in your, in your state. You shouldn't be pounding the, you know, pounding the the floor on defense. Like you should be able to like theoretically dominate. Like that's, I mean, that's not like the more hilarious comment I heard is that uh, Kofi Coburn was pounding the floor on defense and then not playing any defense and let people <laughs> run right by him. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of a kind of a thing there. And it, not only did they have a lot of trouble scoring, it seems like they just had trouble adjusting to Loyola Chicago in really any way, shape, or form. And you know they have a, a first team All American Io Desunu, uh, second team All American Kofi Coburn. Loyola Chicago has a third-team All-American, Cameron Crutwig, who's been a four-year starter for Loyola Chicago, uh, fantastic college player, just really knows the game, and he picked them apart. Absolutely picked them apart. Like, they just were playing off of him for whatever reason and just finding guys and really getting the offense going there. Um, Lucas Williamson, also another, like, leadership guy there. Um, yeah, just a, a fantastic team effort. From yeah, Crutwig, 19, 19, 12, and five. You know, like, so it's like he was getting it, definitely getting it, getting it done. And that was a big, that was a big, big win and kind of a very sad way for Illinois to have to, to go out. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> as sad as it was, like, yeah, that was a break, man. I'm just, I'm happy uh, I would assume had all his, like, um, championship trophy Kofi like Kobe pictures he tried to do I'm glad he got that out of the way at the Big Ten tournament and wasn't saving it for the yeah it always so he, he 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 got you know what what he needed I guess but yeah definitely this is a matchup where I have to again it, it's gonna pay me but I'm gonna have to go against Oregon State I'm going with Loyola Illinois I think again defensively they're gonna be pretty pretty strong pretty attacking and hopefully they can stop the Beavers' kind of ridiculous shooting. But I think a lot of the, you know a lot of what they do is this kind of this no middle defense of just on ball pressure, which hopefully will kind of kind of force Oregon State out of their game that they have been playing of just really getting out and kind of shooting. Yeah, I'm going with Loyola Illinois as well, and uh, yeah, they. Uh... I just think that's that's the deal. Like they, yeah, they they have the depth, they have the senior leadership, they have a big guy who can 
uh, somehow uh, work against Roman Silva, which hasn't seemed to work for the other teams they played so far. Uh, Roman Silva, gigantic seven foot one center for Oregon State. Um, yeah, I, I I just think it's they're getting to the eight. And then who do you have coming out of this region? I had Syracuse going against Loyola. You have Houston. Who's who's coming out of, of this region? I'm going with Houston. I'm thinking Houston's going to go to the Final Four. So I'm thinking the craziness, and I'm going to go with Loyola getting getting themselves back there. So all right. Again, I think you know if they were to go against Syracuse, I think again defensively would cause cause some issues, and I think they can do it. I. I'm not a sister Jean, but I, I think they're a pretty strong basketball team. Sister J. <laughs> it's still with the J names. But all, all this said and done, all these games, are you still sticking with your Gonzaga? Ultimate? Yeah, I'm going Gonzaga-Baylor in the finals, and I'm going Gonzaga to win. How about you, man? You've got some different matchups than I do. I would say, again, but, you know, based on what that would be is – yeah, I would also have Baylor against Gonzaga, and I, I also do think Gonzaga will. Okay. We'll, we'll do it. I don't we'll, think We'll see who does better. Yeah. That's going to be the question. Well, we have to pick, you know, if, if it gets to that point, we'll have to just pick the final score thing like on ESPN. And... No, because we have enough differences where I don't think that would be much. Oh, no. Overall, but then as far as you know, guys, there's obviously a ton of games. Like, are there any guys that you really enjoyed watching this past weekend? Anyone kind of standing out? Yeah, I, I thought um, Miles McBride played really well for West Virginia. Um, at least it was great in that first game. Uh, kind of cooled off a little bit, and um, yeah, Cameron Cameron Thomas LSU had a. Had, I mean. They're not. They didn't win, but you know, yeah, he, he's a heater. He, yeah, he's like twenty-seven. That, that's something you can absolutely say. He's a scorer, volume shooter. He was that at Oak Hill as well. Um, yeah, he could de definitely get buckets. I have a feeling he's going to enter his name into the NBA draft. I'm still not sure what to think about him, but um, yeah, I, I'm. Glad I got at least a, a few matchups right, but for the most part, this has been a, a pretty unpredictable NCAA tournament. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody has a perfect bracket or even close. Um, I lost a Final Four team on in the first round and then uh, immediately lost another one in the second round. <laughs> so yeah. Um, an another reason why I'm not an NCAA tournament expert, and I'd like to think there is not a single person who is. There's too much variability, but yeah, it's it's. Like, to me, the focus is always on the players. Like th that's what I'm interested in, and the the other thing is that if, if somebody does indeed have a good NCAA tournament, I I've been around the draft long enough to know. That I, I think the whole like NCAA tournament, like building your draft stock thing, I think it builds your marketability. Yeah. Your right. draft stock, I think, is something that you build through your volume, like your body of work. Well, and if somebody does well in the NCAA tournament, what were you saying? It's all based on, big, yeah, like draft stock's based on big samples, not like, oh, they played well these like certain, yeah. only these few games. Yeah, yeah. Well, and some, there are lots of people that have different philosophies. And lots of people are introduced to these players this way. Like you know, people don't necessarily watch as much uh, college basketball as uh, the experts and the, the few people that uh, are really into the NCAA tournament or into the NCAA regular season. Um, so yeah, I think that it's usually based on a body of work. And if somebody does really well in the NCAA tournament and you're looking at that guy as a draft prospect, Go back, look at his body work, look to see if uh, it really matches up with uh, what they're doing because, yeah, that, that small sample size can, uh, I think, sometimes artificially boost somebody. Um, but, yeah, just a, a few players who played well. Um, I just want to shout out because Pro Insight, we decided to choose some guys that we felt just uh, – had a bit of a, a rising stock during the 
first part of the NCAA tournament. And the players that we named were Max A. Smith, Buddy Beheim, Chris Duarte, Jaime Hawkins Jr., Johnny Juzang, Damian Mitchell, Isaiah Mobley, Kevin O'Banner, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Namias Keta, Austin Reeves, Chandler Vaudrin, Marcus Zagorowski. And uh, yeah, pretty good list of names. Um, yeah, I, I, as I added, Jabari Walker was somebody that I, I thought looked really good. And um, just one other one who we, we can shout out. And I, I have a feeling he might come back this year, but I still think Will Richardson is eventually an NBA prospect. And um, yeah, yeah I, I thought he, he played great in that first NCAA tournament game against Iowa. Yeah, for him, it's just missing that whole beginning of the year. I think threw off his whole momentum. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because going into the year, he was on, you know, a lot, of, a lot of boards. But now, you know, so I definitely think he, he will be, you know, if he comes back. But it'll be interesting to see. Maybe he throws his hat in just because you can. Yeah. So he's, he's I know Jason Preston kind of struggled in uh, the game against Creighton. But I, like I just think he, he showed a lot of what he can do. Um, in the game against Virginia, and uh, just a, a really smart player. So yeah, that, another player to to definitely uh, keep an eye on as well. And Luca Garza just again offensively dominating, but his, yeah. his questions for the NBA are definitely on the defensive end. But he, you know, yeah, defensive end and making quick decisions um, for your teammates. Like those, those are the two biggest things with him. And the fact that he also is like a very below the rim player, as we, like you saw with even those Eugene Omarui like uh, goaltends, like they they were on like complete below the rim shots, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was a little bit crazy what he was doing and just the the touch that he has. So I I have a feeling that Luke Garza is going to be drafted. It just really depends where. Yeah, he's extended, you know, extended shooting range a little bit. So, oh, he's been a great three-point shooter the last two years. Yeah, and definitely a different player than when Oregon played them two years ago. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because no one, on, no one on Oregon was even probably there two two years ago. Seemingly, but what? Yeah. What is the what, what player are you most excited to see to, again to think build a build a brand build a build a legend? Who do you think is going to be build the, a legend? Do you think it's like, like Corey Kispert? Who's, who's I, Drew Timmy has been looking fantastic lately, and yeah, I I feel like Drew Timmy is going to be a, a big name for the rest of uh, the NCAA tournament. Um, who else? Well, you got to think if, if Baylor. Uh, yeah, well, Baylor, uh, I think Davion Mitchell has been kind of like the guy for them so far, even with uh, somebody, like first-team All-American like Jared Butler. Davion Mitchell was, I think, kind of a consensus third-team All-American and a great defender, has just improved a, a great deal throughout this past season and the last little while with uh, Baylor. Um actually started off with Auburn and um, has just turned into, I, I, I think, a possible first-round pick. Well, it'll be awesome to see you again. We got a full full slate of games this week. I think they're going with a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, no, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And obviously, Monday, Tuesday, since it's the Elite Eight, it'll be a little bit later. Yeah, luckily you can just have, like, the night game. Which is- yeah, exactly. And um, a couple of the highest left uh, draft prospects, you have Evan Mobley, who has, um, I, I can't say like lived up to billing or anything like that, but obviously he's played very well through the he's first He's going to walk in as number two though, you know, behind Cade. Oh yeah, well, I, I think he's number two behind Cade, but uh, I thought that for quite a while. Um, and then also um, Moses Moody, is left, and I, I think he would be probably the, the next highest rated player. Um, oh, well, okay. Jalen Suggs, yeah. Sorry. Jalen Suggs <laughs> with Gonzaga is would be the next highest rated player. 
and um, then Moses Moody after him with Arkansas. Yeah, Jalen Suggs, I, I think, is another player who um, has done very well in his first two games in the NCAA tournament, showing what he can do. He's been amazing in transition this season, um, shows that those great like passing flashes as well, and um, just has fantastic defensive instincts also, like just a, a really smart basketball player. And Moses Moody is somebody who I think so many believe is somebody who will be a, like a plug and play in the NBA, um, can play that like two or three spot, uh, really good shooter, has been very aggressive getting to the foul line quite a bit, um, impressive physicality, has really good physical tools, not the best athlete, but just seems to have good body control and, and uh, is kind of like a, a crafty scorer nonetheless. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to, I'm, I'm just looking forward to some great tournament games because I feel so deprived last year. It like bothers me to like no end that there was no tournament. <laughs> so I'm very happy we're getting to see it this year. And then I also just want to shout out, you know, in, in basketball news, Chris Boucher just got himself a endorsement deal with Puma, which is super, I'm a, I'm a Nike guy myself, but I'm super excited for Chris Boucher just because I think it is cool for him because he's also they're also going to help him build up his uh aau team he's got a cb elite team out of montreal and it's just cool for a guy that like wasn't going to be in the nba at all you know like that was not on his radar as a 16 year old to now be 28 be signing a be signing a shoe deal pretty pretty cool pretty awesome yeah and then any thoughts going into the trade deadline here we're two days oh god <laughs> i <laughs> wish i said more about the trade deadline <laughs> No, but I, 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 I think maybe things will happen. And, uh, you know, you're hearing Aaron Gordon being tossed around, Marcus Smart. Victor Lito. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, it seems like the trade deadline rarely oh, is that, like, moves the needle one way or the other for like a championship team that season. Um, so, yeah, and it, I've even heard Montrezl Harrell's name being thrown around. Um, I, if Andre Drummond doesn't get traded, he may go to the Lakers is something that I've heard. Kyle Lowry has been on the uh, trade block and even Norman Powell, um, who has been playing really well for the Raptors lately also. And Kyle looks like he's definitely leaving Toronto one way or the other um, next year. So yeah, it'll be something to, to look for. And uh, I know there are, lots of trade deadline talk and shows the next few days. It's always something where I'm very much in a, a wait and see approach. I definitely don't, don't need to watch a show on it. <laughs> it just yeah. like, I mean, tell me what it happens, but you know, like Blake, Blake, my thing. Blake Griffin, at least like Blake Griffin's now in the lineup for Brooklyn in start. Yeah. He's, he's out there. So that's something. So yeah, we're, we're at a very interesting point of the point of the season. Yeah. One more thing. Um, just wanted to say rest in peace to Elgin Baylor, one of the great players of all time and um, somebody that I always loved reading about and looking into NBA history and uh, seeing like the amazing 1961-62 season he had. And he, he was went like, to the NBA finals eight times. He was in the Army Reserve when he was having that season. <laughs> like 48 games. And like and doing he, stuff. Yeah. He's averaging like 35 a game. Yeah. Or 38 a game, like something something ridiculous. Yeah, he, he was, uh, I, I think, a, a player well ahead of his time and uh, kind of like a precursor to Dr. J and Michael Jordan. Um, and I know that uh, Pro Insights' Matt McKay, his grandfather actually played college basketball with Elgin Baylor oh. and uh, at Seattle University. So, yeah, just want to say our condolences to Elgin Baylor's family and uh, all those who loved him as a, a player in person. No, he's definitely worth it. Yeah. Like definitely worth a look up. For sure. For sure. Want to see that. Those, yeah. Those Lakers teams of that era. Super, super. Oh man. The big three with uh, Wilt, Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor, unfortunately, like that last season he played, I like, he didn't really play with that team. I think he still yeah. was considered like, an NBA champion, but didn't play with really when they went to the playoffs in 1971, 72. So yeah, 
he he I, I think he's technically an NBA champion, but mostly finished runner up to those crazy Boston Celtics teams at the time. Yeah. And then any final thoughts, takeaways for the week? Have fun watching the tournament, people. And I have fun watching the NBA. Um, some great basketball ahead. Also, Geico Nationals are coming up too. They're restarting the Geico National High School Tournament. Um, that will take place March 31st. They have like a, a first four kind of deal there. And then um, from April 1st to April 3rd, um, they have the uh, rest of the, the tournament. They'll have the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. And a few of the teams there, like Montverde Academy, um, IMG, Sunrise Christian, Wasatch, Arizona Compass Prep. Um, I know Prolific Prep is in one of the first four games. Um, yeah, a lot of great players to watch there. And if you want to see some uh, good players for the high school class of 2021, 2022, definitely tune into that tournament. Yeah, we're uh, on a lot of the ESPN channels. Uh, we're also getting closer, closer to signing day, so you'll see some guys, you know, undecided guys, and yeah, who, who signs and who, who does G League lead. But that's our show, everybody. If you liked us both, you want to follow us both on social media, we are at Visland. You want to follow me exclusively, I'm at Jay Weisenberg. You want to follow Michael exclusively, he is at NBA Draft Mikey V. Spoiler, we're teasing a draft preview. <laughs> So definitely stick around. Yes. But, you know, thank you guys so much for, for watching, viewing. If you love the show, definitely like, subscribe, leave us a comment. If you have any thoughts, feelings, you want to discuss basketball with us, vislandpod at gmail.com is a great way to do that. We are happy to chat. We love talking basketball. That's why we do this. And that's why we think you're listening to this. So definitely, definitely let us know. Happy to always, always talk it up. And yeah, stay tuned after you watch all these great games for a little bit of a draft preview coming your way. So take care, everybody, and we'll catch you next week.